So it's short, it's to the point. It gives some tips on how to negotiate deals, how to find the cash cows, as we refer to them, yeah. how the property management kind of piece and, and building the team. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Welcome back. It is Sarah Larby. I'm excited to have you back for another episode of the show, Where Should I Invest? And lots of great things have been happening. If you're listening to this right now, it is right after Christmas. So I am probably at the cottage at this point in time with some friends, enjoying and getting ready for New Year's, reflecting on 2019, looking forward to another awesome year for 2020. And my offer still stands. If you guys haven't been out to The Right Club and you would like to go, just send me an email or contact me on my website and uh, your first pass is on me. So today I have interviewed Mel and Dave Dupuis who invest in North Bay, Ontario and have over 100 plus doors with another 100 under contract. They are acquiring properties in that region and have done so really as self-taught investors and just working their way to that financial freedom. And they've done an amazing job. Some of you guys may have heard them if you've come out to the right club. They may be coming back as well in 2020 to speak again on how they scaled their portfolio. But they are just absolutely amazing. You can also go on Instagram. They're putting a lot of videos out there and a lot of great content as well. And uh, and they they're real people doing real stuff. And it was really just great to see them and hear them and also interview them on the podcast because they, as people are successful, you would think that they're not, people don't want to share how they got successful, but it's actually, I find in reverse, more people that are successful or when people are successful for, you know, obviously there's exceptions for the most part, I think people are, are good and genuine want to help others succeed too. And Mel and Dave are definitely some of those people that want to help and help others succeed. So really cool. And they've done this all as she had a, a goal they've already achieved that Mel wanted to leave her full-time employment before turning 40. And they've been able to do that with real estate and their investments. So super cool. Wanted to share that with you. And uh, if you haven't already left a rating or review and you wouldn't mind, if I could ask that you guys take two quick minutes and do that, that'd be amazing. I would really appreciate it. So on that note, let's get on with our interview. Welcome, Melanie and Dave. How are you? Great. How awesome. are you, Sarah? Good, good. I'm super excited to have you guys. Now, where are you currently residing? We are in North Bay, Ontario. We're about three, three hours north of Toronto. <laughs> People don't know where that is. I absolutely love North Bay. You know, back in the day, I used to uh, have a sales rep out there, one in Sudbury and one in North Bay. So I used to visit them every three weeks. It's great. And it's probably great for real estate. And that's one of the things that we want to talk about today. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, it's a Wonderful, it's, beautiful city yeah. and, and great market to invest in for sure. Absolutely. Excellent. So I guess first question I always like to ask is how you got started in real estate investing, your journey and uh, your first property. Let's talk about that. Sure. Yeah, great. When we met, I had two properties and Dave had the one and we knew we wanted to get into real estate investing. So we started slowly building up our portfolio one at a time and, and we did roadblocks. But then finally one year we decided to 
once we discovered the, the magic of other people's money or OPM, that's when we decided to hit, to set big goals, take massive action. And we bought 12 properties in less than 12 months. So one, one a month. Yeah. Yeah. That was a big year. And now we own, yeah, now we own over a hundred properties yeah. or sorry, a hundred units. We have another 40 some units under contract. Yep. Yeah. So the, the, it's always, it's always kind of continually going. Absolutely. So that obviously you've, you've scaled up pretty quickly. When, when was it that you started? Um, we started probably about five years ago and then 2017 is when we had the, so two years ago is when we had the, uh, the 12 and 12, once we discovered leverage and all that, all those magical things. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about leverage and other people's money. You know, the first time that you, you said, Hey, you know, there's gotta be something different than what I'm doing. And you decided to work with somebody else. How did that whole process come about? Yeah, well, at first we were scared, you know, like, I think like anything else, right? You're scared, you're skeptical, you're not sure, it's even legal, can you even do that? Yeah, you hear word buzzwords, right? Like vendor take back and owner financing and private money and you're like, oh, okay, do you think it's like mafia or, you know, the, the black market or you think, what, what the heck is all this stuff? But then as you start to, the more you start to learn is legal and everyone's doing it around you, so you might as well hop on board because if not, you're, you're kind of behind the eight ball if you're not doing it that way. Yeah, so we invested in mentors and we did a lot of research and we spoke with people who were successful at it. We spoke to people who failed at it and put some strategies in place and, and, and just stopped waiting for the perfect time and just went for it. And, and yeah. you know, when we had any roadblocks, we kind of were dedicated to figuring it out. And that's what we did, right? Like, you didn't, we didn't know all the answers. We just pushed forward and, oh, okay, another roadblock. Let's figure it out. Okay, let's keep moving forward. And what was, what was kind of, I shouldn't say ironic, is the people that did fail, they all kind of did the same thing wrong. So it, it was very, I shouldn't say easy for us, but when, when we talked to them, it was like, wow, so that is the thing that you didn't do right. And that's, that's why things, you know. And speaking um, of that thing, it all came down to, <laughs> come on, you got to share a little bit. So speaking of, I, I'm the blabbermouth, right? So speaking of that thing, it, it was the exit. It all came down to exit strategy. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so you have private money and it's all great. You're getting, you know, 50K, 100K, 500K, and that's great. And you're putting it into your property, but you have to pay that back. And what's your strategy behind it? And Dave and I, we, you know, we made sure to have that all set out. That's huge. Out of our 12 properties we bought in 2017, we already paid back seven, seven private lenders. We also have another four we'll be paying out this year. It's just at the financial institution with refinancing yeah. some of our other properties. All the appraisals are done. It's the, we're at the refi stage. And, um, and that's on and, a five-year term. Yeah, so. so all those deals had, one had seven. They all had five-year terms or five-year, uh, yeah, five-year term. And we're in year two and we've already paid back seven. So think of how happy those investors are. Now, the, the exit strategy, just kind of touch on Mel said, give a little here. So the part yeah in their exit strategy uh sarah the part that we found that the, the two or three that kind of went belly up went bankrupt and lost it all they were banking too much on things that they could not control and, and when i say that you know they were banking too much on hey i hope the market appreciates because then i'll be able to pay people back well you can't it's a wild card you, you don't control that the other thing too is interest rates they were basically banking on things that dave and mel can't control interest rates you know sarah can't control appreciation like the market is what the market is sometimes so once we learn not to that can't be our exit strategy. We can't just pray that the rates go down or that they don't go up. So that kind of stuff was massive. And, and so don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Definitely. You don't want to bank on just appreciation alone. That's uh, that's never a good sign in any strategy that you're going to be going after. So that is interesting. So the, 
people that you're working with, are they money partners? Are they joint ventures? Like, like how are you structuring that piece? So as of today, everything that uh, everything in our portfolio is 100% owned by Dave and Mel. Now that being said, we, we yeah we deal a lot with private uh, private money, private lenders. It, it's huge, right? Not coming up with the down payment, not coming up with that downstroke, and that's really the leverage piece that has just propelled us. Is you can only do that so many times. Refi, refi, buy the next one, buy the next one, and we hit that roadblock probably around property number eight. It didn't work anymore, and we were we we were too far outside the the cookie cutter for the banks and. But yeah, so those private lenders or better take backs, you know, where the, the owner holds back the down payment was really the, the key. So that is, that's gold to me. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's really what launched us into, into properties. So yeah. Absolutely. So now what's your strategy? Because this money I'm guessing is what, like eight, 10, 12%, or it's a higher percentage than the bank's going to loan you. So what's the strategy to pay that back? And, and how do you guys work that out? It's- <laughs> <laughs> We're both, yeah, we both have the same idea. So yeah. So it's, I mean, part of it is, so it depends. It depends if it's a VTB with owner financing or if it's private money. And that it depends on the deal. Like if, if it's a cash flowing deal and it doesn't really matter, at the end of the day, if, if it's a higher percentage, then it's kind of based on that. Yes. And, and really our whole philosophy is, and, and the interest rates vary, right? If I've got a smoking hot deal and I need money yesterday, and I know that it can support maybe some higher interest rates, then down the road, and, and we can talk in all the strategies, like, there's the burr, there's the flip to self, there's all that, right? And that's kind of our bread and butter. I love buying the buildings that have cash flow and that we can force that appreciation. That's what Mel and I have done with every property. Get the rents up, do some some lipstick, some TLC, force that appreciation, bring yeah. it back to the bank. We don't buy yeah. the brand new, no. sexy building. We go for the sexy cash flow instead. Yeah. So like and we had said at the times, when we walk into a place and there's pink carpet that smells like happy we i see dollar signs and i see uh i see roi and i uh, i get excited because i know hey i'm gonna flip this to my, back to myself pay out my private lender pay out my vendor take back and hey guys just want to take a quick moment and introduce you to a key member of my power team dylan Suter is my realtor who's been working very hard to find me amazing deals and Dylan, I'm a big proponent in working with realtors that are investors. And Dylan is truly an investor. Welcome, Dylan. And thank you so much for being a sponsor. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I want to first thank you for having us as a sponsor. We're really grateful to be working with you and all of the support you've given us over the past couple of years. So thank you so much for that. And our focus as Elevation Realty is to focus our attention primarily on real estate investors that are looking to replace their active income with a passive income and go enjoy what they like most, such as time with the family or up at the cottage, whatever it may be. So what we do is we focus our attention on creating a plan specific for each client, whether that is something they want to have five properties in five years and be able to sit on them for 10 years and then sell them and retire on the, the equity. Or if they're looking to scale their portfolio and retire in the next 12 months, we can look at doing that as well through joint ventures or Airbnb short-term rentals. We can talk through buildings, buy, renovate, refinance, single family purchases, and the list goes on. That's awesome. Now, Dylan, if people wanted to reach out and get help from you, where can they go? They can check us out online at www.elevationrealty.ca, E-L-E-V-A-T-I-O-N, realty.ca, or they can email us at info at elevationrealty.ca, Give us a call or text at 905-592-4220 or check us out at The Right Club or other meetup groups that we're usually at as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dylan. It is awesome working with you as always. And now back to the show.
keep on rolling. Then I've got an asset, cash flowing asset every month. That basically once you do that, then it's the domino effect, right? Because all those, so paying out 11 out of 12, three years early, some of them, of course, just want their money back for whatever retirement, but some of them, they don't need their money right away. So wait a second here, Mal and Dave, I trust you. You've already had yeah. your system in place and they want to reinvest with us. Now we can continue to grow, do the same thing, make sure we, write, we buy the right property and pay them back. And that's, to any investor, whether you're starting out or you're, like that's one thing that we never do. And I'm not, well, sorry, never do now. We, we did it before and we learned from it is like now people contact us with deals all the time. I, I turn away so many deals because A, I don't see my exit strategy. And if I don't see my exit strategy, first and foremost, I like, we're not touching it. Right. Yeah. And um, we turn away private lenders too. So sometimes somebody like we've had somebody come in like, okay, I want to invest with you guys. Here's 200,000. And we said, well, we can't right now because we don't, yeah, there's always deals out there but we didn't have one that we were 150 percent sure that we our exit strategy wouldn't yeah. work so we, if, unless we have that we just we'll get back to you when you know if you need to do something else with your money in the meantime but i'm not going to take it just because it's there <laughs> yeah. unless we're absolutely sure so that we can yeah and that's what i find some people do they, they they and i get it like they're so motivated they just want to jump into the real estate market and that's the best market to ever be in is real estate i like I full-heartedly believe that but if you're not buying a cash flowing building and you don't have your structure in place mm -hmm. It's just, you know, anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, money is actually easier to find than people think. I think the financing piece gets harder. And I'm guessing that's that's why you guys are doing the buildings at this point, right? Like, are we talking about commercial multifamily type of properties? Pretty much all multifamily yeah. uh, residences. We have some commercial, but typically with the commercial, there's multifamily residences. But that's, yeah, multifamily is certainly our, our specialty. I think now we only have three commercial, three yeah. or four and the buildings we have under contract have another, you know, we'd probably be up to like 10 or 12 commercial. But again, the anchor in those deals is the residential portion of those buildings. And I'm not saying don't buy commercial. Hey, and everyone gets commercial mixed up. Like there's commercial commercial where retail space and that. And then there's also five multi-res units and up commercial. So that's the thing. People use those words. So right. That's a great point. Depends, I know. Yeah. Sometimes what's your I'm, definition, right? I'm like, hey, are you saying yeah. commercial, like a store? Are you saying commercial five un five residential units? So yeah, exactly. I mean, there is a differentiator. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all coming in the commercial umbrella. But co commercial multifamily. I mean, it's it's five units, but it could also be seven. I think RBC goes up to seven units before they go commercial on on that financing, anyways. And, and then you have the municipalities where taxes. Like I know here, if it's seven, then it becomes commercial. Like even if it's anyway, there's there's so many. <laughs> but yeah, we love multifamily. Everyone always needs a place to live. And then if there's some commercial there and then my rule of thumb is I love when a building can sustain itself, even if all commercial space is empty. And that's kind of how I can sleep at night is, oh, okay, you know, your store closed, whatever. The, the residential portion is paying the bills and it's carrying itself. And if the commercial there is gravy, but that's kind of our rule of thumb is, and that's how we've protected ourselves against, you know, the ups and downs of commercial retail space and all that stores. So the residential is just yeah, a the vacancy anchor. rate here is is fantastic and for us we, we went very aggressive with our marketing people know our company so we we can't keep up we get calls every day we can't we don't have enough apartments to keep up for the demand so zero percent vacancy because as soon as we post something we get so many calls we can't we can't keep up yeah north, north Ontario is a perfect storm like uh, we had a meeting with the mayor and the, the chamber of commerce mm -hmm. president two weeks ago 
and they're they're open for business, right? Like they're gung ho. They want to work with investors because we told them. So we have deals coming our way. We have lots of investors. They're open for business. So North Bay's great. The prices are reasonable. You can get into some some multi dresses at a reasonable price. And then also the other thing is the uh, the vacancy rate is low. Like we have zero vacancy rate in our buildings, but I think it's like two or three. And then the other thing is the rents are high. So it's a trifecta, right? It, it's just I love the market here. So that sounds really good. So a lot of people are probably wondering what does an actual building with the financials look like? Can you walk us maybe through one of the properties that you purchased, what you purchased it for, what the NOI would be, et cetera. And then, so just so that way we get an idea of what's available in the North Bay area. Yeah, for sure. And, and kind of the rule of thumb here is it goes somewhere between 80 to hundred K a door. And that, that's a very kind of very quick and dirty rule of thumb. So just an example, one we're working on right now, we're in the midst of renovating. So it was a bank repo triplex. We purchased it for 114000 like <laughs> $114,000 triplex. It's so amazing. It's a gut job. So we're going to put probably ninety k into it. Again, the bank, the bank is the first mortgage. We have a private lender who's a second mortgage. And then we, we also, uh, we also funded the, the renovations through, you know, again, it's always, it's never our money, right? And that's what we like to do. We like investors because it's win-win. We don't use our capital. They make money on their capital. So it's win-win. We've already got the uh, pro formas and the appraisals. And I think it's going to come back somewhere between three, 320. So right there, we're going to, we're going to pay out all the investors and then so we're going to have a cash flow within six months. six months, a lot of cash flowing asset. And it'll make, I think I, I rated it for cash flow will be somewhere between 15 and $1,700 profit per month. So that's not to gonna hold this one. Yeah, not to mention that we paid out and made obviously a profit as well off, off yeah, the property so where we can the flip to sell, the flip to sell, which we can take and of course do the first strategy, right? Use it for to purchase another property. So are you? So you're you're keeping these. So how are you getting the financing at this point for like a triplex as an example? Financial institutions. There's uh, also mortgage corporations, different brokers. We, we keep knocking till if somebody said no, then we, you know, you don't stop. You have to, to persevere and then move forward and, and find somebody who will. And, and they do, right? It's just a matter of, of knowing who to contact. And, and a deal like this, like, this is why it's so important to buy cash flowing deals from day one and know, know your numbers. Because, again, a deal where there's no, there's no income coming into this building now for the next, what, six months or mm -hmm. so, right? So, the bank knows that it's, it's a, uh, so sorry, what I'm trying to get to at is because we have a, a strong foundation of rental properties, the bank always looks at it. They know what we're going to do with it. They, you know, they see, they, you're going to do this, Mel, you're going to do this, you're going to flip it. It's going to make X amount of dollars. I believe you. you've been there, done that. But for the six months, there's no cash coming in. Like this building doesn't show good numbers. So what allows us to buy these buildings is our, and the bank even says it, they said, because you have global portfolio supports this building, until it can support itself. So that's why it's so important to buy good cash flowing buildings from day one, in my opinion, because then it allows you to extend to different projects where, hey, my portfolio yeah. is paying this for this for now, but down so your the road. first, what you do in the first, you know, your first five, six is gonna affect your growth in the future. Cause if the bank doesn't like your portfolio, they're not gonna approve a lot of properties, even if you know there's such a potential mm -hmm. and you know the cash flow will be there, you'll have to miss out on it because if the building itself, if they look at the building and the building doesn't make sense, then if, you're, if your entire portfolio is okay, but not cash flowing enough, then they're not gonna approve it. No. So having those high revenue properties from the start is really important. And in, in, in our book, I call them cash cows. <laughs> I don't know if I like the term anymore. I wrote the book last year, but anyway, that's what we call them, cash cows. That's awesome. Actually, you know what? While you're bringing up the book, 
talk to us a little bit about the book and why you wrote it and what information is in there that we can all grasp yeah. and learn. Um, so this is the book here, it's Real Estate Investing Secrets, a no BS guide to creating wealth and freedom. And essentially it's short, it's 84 pages yeah, or so. 88 pages, we did that on purpose. We did that on purpose. At first we wrote it, we had over 300 pages and it was just, we wanted, we don't like reading, we're audiobooks. I'm an audio guy, I like listening to podcasts and all that. So we wanted something where you can read it, you know, one sitting, one afternoon or one evening, read it and get actioning instead of having all the fluff in there. So. So it's short, it's to the point, it gives some tips on how to you know, negotiate deals, how to find the cash cows, as we refer to them, yeah. how to, you know, the property management kind of piece and, and the building the team and using other people's money. So there's a whole chapter on that as well. And it, it's reached an Amazon bestseller a few times in a bunch of different categories. Yeah, it made, yeah, it made the first week it was released, it became an Amazon number one bestseller. So we, we were so excited, excited. we freaked, right? Yeah. That's amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, and if you know Michael Ciricini from HGTV or from the HGTV show yeah. Income Property, and he's also the CEO of Keyspire, he reviewed or he read our book and, and uh, endorsed it. He's on the cover as well. So he left us a nice uh, endorsement. Amazing. Amazing. Congrats. Yes, thank you. And you were asking the reasoning, and Mel tells the story best uh, on our way to, to a oh, conference. Oh, yes. Yeah. So the reasoning behind the book. So kind of happened. I just kind of. kind of happened. We're planning. We're not. We're not authors. Yeah. We're, we didn't think we were. We didn't think we were. We are now. But uh, ask me five years ago and I would have said, no, I'm never going to write a book. Um, but we're on our way to a real estate investing conference uh, in Niagara Falls. And we were actually provided as part of the program, we were provided a chauffeur, which we thought were rock stars in the backseat. And, and uh, so we're both working away on our computer. And then all of a sudden, Dave screamed because he saw... Kind of I yelled an inappropriate four-letter word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we won't repeat on here. But essentially what happened, a vehicle or a, tra a careless transport driver hit a vehicle who hit us. We immediately hit the guardrail and, and spun across the highway. And we're going like 120 clicks. It was right before oh, wow. Wonderland. Yeah, it was important. Yeah, and, and if you look on our Instagram account, Investor Mel and Dave, you'll see I posted some pictures uh, about a month or two ago. And like it's, it's, it was a wreck. The vehicle is... You know, it was totaled, obviously. We had to crawl through the windows. We Dave thought he lost his legs. Like yeah, it, was, it was a terrible thing. It was, you know, I, I have three kids. So, of course, you're going through that and you think about the kids. and Life changing, terrible, right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, we went to the hospital and we were okay. I ended up having a really bad concussion for, for quite a long time. But other than that, we were, we were physically okay. I think the mental piece... We're still, we're still recovering on that. It's never easy going on highways after you get in a tragic... I bet, yeah. But we decided to continue on. Yep, so you know, we had a choice, right? We had a choice. We can go home because the kids had plans. So we could go home and be the weekend sore. weekend was set up, right? You know, the kids were, well, grandparents, dogs were somewhere else. You know, we're, we're good. We yeah. got the weekend away now. And we thought, well, let's let's just go and, and do what we love. And we decided to go. And we went in there with even more energy and more, you know, excitement because we appreciated that we had that opportunity. So we went there. We connected with some people. And, and then we decided to write a book. So... It went quick. Six, six, seven months later, the book was released, and then first week it became a bestseller. So, and, and one of the reasons, uh, two of the reasons were, you know, let's say if we had passed away in that car accident, we wanted our kids to have a baseline and knowledge, like, hey, this is how mom and dad do it. You know, this is we didn't just want them to. So that was one of the reasons. The other reason too was, you know what? Let's share. Let's let's pass along some of the knowledge. And what better way than a book? So it, we didn't go to the conference thinking that would happen, but yeah, it's, I'm happy we did it now, and it, it's amazing. People, 
anyway, I, mean, I don't want to brag. We've gotten a good, um, not response, but we've gotten good feedback from it and people love it. So I'm very happy with yeah. it. Yeah. And it served its purpose. It's helping out people, which is fantastic. It's obviously wanted to, and that's what we wanted, right? We want to help our children down the road. And funny enough today, my 11 year old said, mom, I think I want to read your book now. Cause you know, at first it thought, of, like, there's no pictures. <laughs> it's kind of a, you know, for your age, but she sees us, you know, doing what we love every day and, and real estate investing. And I loved it. I'm like, absolutely. Ask me if we're Awesome. Yeah, I'm glad. I mean, I'm glad that you guys are okay. It must have been very traumatic. But you know, like you, you look at the green light or, you know, the, as you keep going forward, I think sometimes the best things come from the tragedies, you know, and, and how you recover from them. And you know, what? that's exactly what happened. It was like, and the book was just the start. Like since the accident, it was, I guess we had two choices. We could feel sorry for ourselves and na, 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 or we went the other way and, and wrote the book and then wrote the book and we've been doing speaking gigs. We've been doing mentorships. Like it's just, it opened up so many doors from, and now it's, now we're helping others, which is so yeah. Now we feel like we have a, a purpose. We're helping people be financially free. Like, it's amazing. We just love, 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 love it. Absolutely. And it kind of, not a wake-up call. Like, I don't, like, I don't want to use a cheesy line. Like, yeah, it's a wake-up <laughs> call because everyone says that. But um, we just were like, we're not doing enough. And, you know, the rentals were going well and all that. And we're like, we're not doing enough. So let's write this book. We started a mentorship program. Now we're doing speaking. Like, it's just, and I still feel like we're not doing, like, you know what I mean? I, I just want to keep giving her, just keep crushing it. Just we're still not doing enough. Yeah. You can only do so much. And I, like, I keep seeing you guys everywhere. So like, clearly your message is being spread across a lot of the feeds that I get. So you guys are doing awesome. And, and I know you're helping a lot of people and, and a lot of people are investing as well with you. And, you know, I did want to ask you before we get into the lightning round and a few other things like you, you use obviously a lot of the private money and, and RSPs and registered funds. Can you give us a brief overview on that and why people invest their money with you guys? Yeah. And I think the biggest piece is Mel and Dave are not afraid to say no. Like, Hey, Sarah, you got hundred K you want to invest with us? You know, it has to be a good fit. We, we've turned away investors, you know, when they just don't have the same I guess, vision or mentality and that type of thing. Like it's a two-way interview, right? We've had investors where my gut, you know, our guts go, Ooh, that was something's weird there. I don't know if I want to. So there's that. And then the exit strategy I find so powerful is I need to figure that out before I ever take a cent from them. So that, that is such a powerful, powerful thing that they know if this, if this couple is taking my money, it's because they've already got their exit strategy, A, B, C, D, you know, and we do, we have so many exit strategies. Um, Anyway, and even being able to talk, you know, because obviously it's a sales pitch, right? You're going to borrow money from someone. Essentially, you got to sell yourself. Um, so being able to to sell ourselves by by saying, obviously, the, the exit strategy that we have, by we name drop mentors that we obviously paid for um, to help us. So they love that, right? They know that we invested in ourselves and just not trying this out of the blue. We, we spend money to make money. We have exit strategies. Um, we have a proven record. If they want to see our financials, we show them our financials. So there's lots of things that we can do to, to help someone, um, you know, yeah. wanting to sell to you. And, and then we just, like, I, I have no problem. Like if I've got a deal coming up and I need an investor into it, I'll show them the deal. And I'm like, here, this is what we're doing. Here's how we're going to flip to self, you know, for get the refinance, you know, and pay you out. And they, like, they literally get to see, sometimes it doesn't always work that way. Cause sometimes it's for a broader, you know, but if it's for a particular deal, here's, here's what I'm doing. I'm not lying to you. Here's my pro forma. You know, it's- and we'll talk to them too. Like, so, 
So say for the building that we're flipping, so the triplex, we're in communication with with private lender. And okay, well, and depends. Some people say, you know what, I trust you. Just take my money, make my profit, pay me out, I'm done. Don't want to talk to you till it's done. I don't want to have to think about it, right? Some people are more hands-on. So if they are, then guess what? I'm going to take a video of the progress. And when it's everything's turned down, take a video and send it to them. And when we start with the renos and the outside's painted or whatever we're doing, we're going to put a picture or a video of that. And just having that communication so that they're not sitting there going, did they even, especially because a lot of them are not from, they're across North America or, or, or private lenders. So they're not sitting there going, what are they doing with my money, right? Are they, <laughs> so, on, are they in Mexico and, or are they in Mel in Mexico? Yeah. Now? Like, what's, what's going on? <laughs> having that communication piece is uh, yeah absolutely so do you get the deal first and then and then the money because I have a lot of people asking me like should I go out and find money partners and, or deals first and I'm like my answer usually the majority of the time is the money will come just network enough and you'll find the money the deals are more important but what's your take on it we, we always have so many deals under contract it sounds so easy but it's just it's literally like we have five deals under contract right now and there's two other guys that are just kind of on, on the side, not under contract, but they said the, the one's a 22 unit building, one's a 12. And they said, Dave, I'll hold the first mortgage because they, they've had it paid out for years. So, and then when, when, there's, when it's time to sell them to me, I just need to find you know, a downstroke so that they can, they can pay some taxes. So there's always so many deals that we have under contract or from, like you said, networking that I've, we've always got a flow. We've always got kind of uh, you know, deals in motion. So the deals aren't the issue. The money's not the issue. It's just to kind of marry up something at the same time, right? So, so it kind of gives it, I guess, on both, right? We, again, we, we're not afraid to say, sorry, you can't use your money right now, but I'll hold your spot. Like, well, let yeah. once we find one. So you, you kind of almost don't necessarily wait for one, like do both. And, and yeah, do both. if you're aggressive enough, you're going to find a cash flowing property. And if you're aggressive enough, and have the proper systems in place, you'll be able to find private lenders too. So it's kind of a, I think it's almost yeah. a combination of it's, both. It's combo. And once you have that rep, like I'm just thinking right now, I've got a lady, she has $200,000 in her RSP. She's been asking me for three, four weeks now, Dave, when, you know, when are you using it? And I said, because I know I've got this private deal in the wings. So I said, as soon as this seller, when I meet with him tomorrow, you know, as soon as I pull the trigger with this seller, then I'm going to need your RSPs like that. So that being said, so she's okay to wait because she knows about her reputation. She, she knows I'm not just, you know, smoke and mirrors. And then, so as soon as that happens, I'm going to be calling her saying, hey, okay, time for, <laughs> time for you to make money on your investment. That's but following through, right? If you can't keep somebody holding, nobody wants to, their money to do nothing for months. So no. if you have somebody, then you guess what? You got to look at tons of deals. And if you say there's no deals in your neighborhood, then start looking elsewhere and, and find those cash flowing properties because they're not going to sit there waiting to give you two, three, four, or five hundred K for months because no. that's a lot of money out of their pocket that they just thought that they could be investing with another investor. And like you guys have your your meetups, right? You're gonna find people there with deals or vice versa with money. So that's why those meetups are so important. Exactly. So yeah, it's important to go out and socialize and network and yeah, there's people there that don't even want deals. They just want to passively invest, which, you know, and there's more than people think. So, so just out of curiosity, how, what percentage is registered funds like RSPs or tax-free savings accounts versus none that you use? I know. I don't want to lock into yeah. a number. Yeah, I, don't, I don't want to lock <laughs> in a number. So that way, if it changes on the road. So like, hey, Dave, you said this yeah, on, exactly. on Sarah's so, podcast. Yeah, so. No, just like an average, right? Because I'm guessing that the majority of people, it'll be, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to take a guess. I'm just going to say the majority of it's going to be RSPs of some kind, because is that what you're using to, like, are you doing an 80% loan to value and then you're using the RSP to get to the hundred? Like, 
if you're doing some type of vendor take back or bank financing, like how are you using that money? And I'm going to, I'm just going to say that in general, I think there's just more registered funds that people are wanting to lend out there, even just as an investor myself, like I've got some RSPs I, I need to do something with. I don't want them just sitting there, but I move them over to Olympia, actually no community trust. Cause there's two, right? There's Olympia and community trust, but I'll let you guys kind of talk about that. Yeah. And yeah, it depends on the deal. Sometimes, you know, it's low double digits. Sometimes it really depends. Sometimes it's single digit. Depends on the amount, depends how long they want to lend it to us. And it depends on, it has to be a win-win, right? If you want your money back in six months and it's RSP and I've had to pay all these fees to get into the deal, you know, but if you say, hey Dave, here's 200K like this lady, you know, if you can have it for five years, I know I can do my thing. I've got tons of time to do my book itself. And as for the ratio between RSPs, like secured funds and non-secured, non-secured is... Yes, it's a little, it's, it's 50-50. The secured one, people, it's not out there enough. And that's why we try and do it on Instagram. They, they think, I can't do it. I have to, you know, because they think they're pulling it out and they're going to have to pay the 40% tax. It's like, no, no, you're self-directing your RRSPs. You're just mm-hmm. saying, hey, the person that's looking after my mutual funds right now, please take it out, put it in one of those two companies like you said. And then now you're self-directing your RSP. So it's still in the RSP bubble. And I'm not an accountant or a lawyer, so don't please, you know, Take everything I say with a grain of salt. My lawyer always says to cover CYA. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so do whatever you want with your money. Don't listen to Dave. <laughs> but if you want, yeah. So they bring it into the RSP. It still stays under the RSP bubble. Uh, so they don't get, and that's the thing. So it, it's kind of funny the way it works. Mel and Dave don't actually get the RSP money. And they don't actually get money from the RSP money. It just stays in the bubble. And it goes on the new purchase as a second mortgage. So we never actually see it. And they never actually see the monthly payments. It's just when they turn 65 or, you know, that they want to pull out. So they make, instead of getting a 4% or whatever you get with RSPs nowadays, you know, when you're RSP bubble, that Mel and Dave are, sh- are giving you, you know, a higher return and it's building a lot quicker in yeah. that RSP bubble. You said it well, right? So if somebody wants six months, well, that's, again, there's lawyer fees and we usually pay the lawyer fees on behalf because, again, we want to make it a win-win. Usually the people that borrow the money pay the legal fees. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, so pay the legal fees and then it depends. Yeah. Is it two years? Is it five years? Is it what amount? Right. So if, it all, if somebody does 30K or somebody does 500K, it kind of depends, right? Because we can do a lot more obviously with yeah. 500. So and we pay for, for ease, right? If it makes it easier for us, if I, if we need 500K and we've got a 50, 50, 50, 50, then it's tougher for us, right? If one person comes in, Hey, boom, perfect. You know what? I'm willing to pay you less very paper, good interest. Less, less. Yeah. Lawyer fees, less, yeah. So, and that's why, Sarah, we can't give you a quick and dirty answer. It's just kind of, <laughs> and I hate when people give me vague answers. I said, just give me the answer, but it's a whole. You sound like politicians where you're yeah, politicians, just, yeah, yeah, perfect. But. It's well explained. I'm, I'm sure we uh, will be able to grasp from that. But it, it is interesting because the RSPs, in my opinion, a bank is not going to go and tell you to, to move it over into Olympia Trust or Community Trust because obviously it's going to be out of their little mutual funds that they're making money off of. And the financial planner is not going to tell you that either because that's how they make money by unfortunately selling you these seg funds or mutual funds. And that's, you're kind of patting their paycheck. That's a great point, Sarah, because a lot of, uh, a lot of people that we've done business with, that's what they said that there, uh, there was a lot of pushback. No, you can't do that. That's impossible. Your fees are going to be way too high. You're going to have to pay whatever penalty fees they would say. It's like, well, no, tell them to do this and this and this. And again, if, if they're working with a, an investor who's done it before, they'll be able to step them through what, what to say and, and, yeah. again, and for those people that want to stay with mutual funds, there's nothing in it. If that's your comfort state, absolutely, right? nothing wrong with them. Just I, there is nothing wrong. It's just unfortunately that is information that we are not given freely. Like we are, don't go to the bank and like 
we're not told about this option. We're not told about this option when we're like, I need a person or a financial planner because they, unfortunately, it's just, it's all messed up in my opinion, how this whole like financial system works. But you really, people that are listening, you guys out there do your own due diligence. And like, it's a great thing to listen to these podcasts because it gives you these pieces of information that unfortunately, like, I don't think people are out there to help us. The banking system is a business on its own. So you just got to play their game. <laughs> you know, we don't know, right? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I can keep asking you guys tons of questions and we can keep talking for hours, but the next part of this podcast is our lightning round. So I'm going to ask you a series of five questions. You're going to give me the first answer that comes to mind. You can do this together however you want. You ready? Where should I invest with your host, Sarah Larvey? We'll be right back. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a quick moment and pause the podcast interview here because I wanted to introduce you to Dahlia Barsoom of Streetwise Mortgages. I am a big believer, as you guys probably have heard, work with a mortgage broker. They are going to help you scale. And when I was first growing in real estate investing and looking to buying my second property and my third property, I was going directly to the bank then. I hadn't met Dahlia yet. And I actually was hitting a roadblock when it came to financing because the bank started asking me for 25% as the down payment. And then for my third property, they wanted 35%. And it was really, really hard for me to A, understand why it was creeping up like that, and B, I didn't have 35% to put down, I had 20%. And luckily, I actually met Dahlia at that point in time. And Dahlia is actually an investor herself, and she works with many, many investors, and she knows all the pitfalls and the barriers that normally come up with dealing directly with a bank and all the different lenders. And Dahlia was actually able to not just find me proper alternatives, but I've got nine properties now and I'm still able to get financing with A-lenders and it allows me to be able to scale up without hitting the financing wall. And so she's been a tremendous help. So the other thing I really, really enjoy is Dahlia also does a free goals analysis. So if you go to either my website or her website, streetwisemortgages.com, mention the podcast and ask for the free goals analysis. It was a game changer for me. And it allowed me to actually understand what I needed to do, how many properties I was going to get because of the cash flow that I was looking for. If you guys wanted to reach out to Dahlia, you can reach out to her by email, which is info at streetwisemortgages.com. Or you can actually reach out to her on the website at streetwisemortgages.com. And then just go to the contact section. And you can also call her at 1-800-208-6255. Thanks for listening and back to the show. Back to the show. Where should I invest? Real estate investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larvey. Okay, question number one. What is your favorite real estate investing book ever? Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. But I knew you were going to say that. I was going to give you that one. Okay, if you... Oh, no, actually, I'll, I'll wait for other questions because it's likely going to come up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number two, what is your favorite podcast? Yours. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, number three, what's your favorite pastime? So what do you guys do for fun when you are not doing real estate? In the summer, uh, swimming. We've got a pool and we live in there. Us, the three kids and the two dogs are in the pool. Yeah, so it's time with the kids. Sounds fun. All right, so next question. If you lost all of your money and your assets tomorrow, how would you start again? 
I would just start crushing again and learn from my mistakes and not give up and invest in mentors and uh, I, I, I say like my head you took my assets took my money but you didn't take the knowledge so yeah. you know that we joke take everything you didn't take this I, you can't uh, take that away from me that's it that's <laughs> true and last question number five if somebody has fifty thousand dollars and they want to get started how would you recommend they spend it they join up to the David Mel mentorship program and then I show them how to not take that 50K and still buy a rental property. Buy many more properties <laughs> with that 50K, yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right, cool. So where can listeners find you if they wanted to reach out and know more? So we're, we're all over social media. Instagram, Investor Mel and Dave. We are on Facebook, Investor Mel and Dave. On YouTube, Investor Mel and Dave. Our website. Website, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so just... Google Investor Mel and Dave or, or go on one of the social media platforms and you'll find us. Awesome. And Mel and Dave, any last final words of advice for the listeners? For me, I'd probably say stop waiting for the perfect time. That's probably when we, when we mentor people, that's always the stop. It's always a, uh, but you know, my, my mom's in the hospital, she's not well or, or, oh, you know, I have money, but I don't have enough. I want to have more of a backup or th th there's always a reason not to start. It's never the perfect time. It never was the perfect time when we started. We could have had a hundred reasons why not to start. And as we grow, we could have a hundred reasons why not to do, you know, we, we could have had a, a complete reason not to go to the conference, right? Um, we had an accident and we still went. So stop making excuses. Just believe in yourself, take action, educate yourself, you know, listen to podcasts like yours read books, get a mentor, all that kind of stuff will help get you started in the right direction and avoid costing mistakes too. Yeah. And what I would say is Mel and I have spent close to about a hundred thousand dollars on mentors now over the years. I wish I spent more money earlier. So stop saying, Oh, I don't want to spend money on a mentor. Invest in yourself, spend the money. You don't know what you don't know. We just learned a whole whack of stuff this June again. Like it's like, oh, I thought, yeah, I thought we we're well versed in real estate. Spend the money on yourself, get a mentor and get started early. I wish I could go back and spend a Whack more money on mentors a whole lot. And earlier. it's continuous, right? Like we still don't. It's it's you never know at all. Things change. There's new strategies. There's absolutely so it's it's continuous. Absolutely great advice. On that note, guys, Mal, Dave, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was a pleasure having you, and I'm looking forward to having you come down as well. And depending on when people listen to this, it might be past, but at some point we'll have you back again. Yes, awesome. thank you so much. I'm so happy to be on your show. So thanks for reaching out to us. It's so appreciated. Appreciate it, sir. Thank you. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons. And at the time, they all seemed very valid. But as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away. And eventually, only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step -step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster 
and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And, you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.